Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. These are the notes. We'll see how we get on. 45 minutes to write a talk for this morning. So we're relying on God. And just a little warning, uh, you're going to have to talk to each other. So I'm sorry about that. Oh, a few people are moving seats. How rude. (laughs) So, Acts. The book of Acts. Why did no one jump up and go, wow? All of those uh, passages we had read ended with something like, and the Lord added to their number daily, day by day, or in great number, as we read. And so as I was thinking very quickly this morning on what I was going to bring, I felt it was important that we thought back to the graces that we've been learning about and see a little bit about how they work in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It is like an action film because there is so much going on uh, from place to place. And I'm going to just move this across so you can see it. So we've had four readings from Acts, uh, and I could have probably brought quite a few more. But let's think for a moment about the early church and how healthy it was. That first passage that we had read to us reminds us that we... um, begin the early church's story with God's power coming upon them. And it says that the Holy Spirit came in power. The Holy Spirit came in power. What does that look like? Very quickly, with your next-door neighbor, share one thing that it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes in power. Go. Okay, who's going to tell me one? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes in power? Liam. Speaking in tongues, spiritual languages. Joy. Thank you. Exciting. Boldness. Brilliant. Persecution very quickly came after the Holy Spirit came. People were overwhelmed by the very presence of God. Healing. I was waiting for some miracles. Change lives. Complete turnaround, repentance and change lives. Anyone else? One more. Come on, let's end on a high. Say that again. Serving others, exactly, which is what the second passage is about. We'll come to that in a minute. But the Holy Spirit came in power on these first believers, and very, very quickly, they began to form community, didn't they? So they've gone from seeing how Jesus has lived, the 12 following him around, became the 11, and then the 12 again in the beginning of Acts, and they very quickly uh, became... Now, you will have seen this picture. Simon's drawn this before. But they very, very quickly became a celebrating community. They began to meet daily in the temple courts. 
to celebrate, to sing God's praise. They met daily as a strong celebratory core. And so we start Acts in chapter 2, where we talk about the fact the Holy Spirit in power came and they began to build this really strong community of celebration. And they met together. And as we read in Acts chapter 2, there were all kinds of things that they did together. They broke bread together in their homes. They served those around them. They worshipped and the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Now, the challenge of growth is you can't all fit round the same table. So when we went from being two to being four, we had to get a bigger table. And then we started inviting people for tea, and we realized that table wasn't big enough, so we broke down the wall between the kitchen and the dining room so we could get a bigger table. Sometimes we're getting to the points where we can't have more people unless it's sunny, because it's just carnage. And that's what was happening in the early church. As it grew on that first day by 3,000 people, they didn't all fit around the table anymore. You know, can you imagine it? One day there's 12 of you, and the next there's 12 plus 3,000 for tea. A few people are stressing. It feels like Christmas Day, doesn't it? And so what began to happen was all kinds of little communities, all households, began to grow. So we read of Lydia opening her household up. We read of uh, people meeting in different households around Jerusalem and then further afield as it spread. They couldn't fit around the same table, but they carried on with the same DNA. So let's uh, jump through to Acts chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, you'll find it really helpful to have that open. Page uh, 1096, I believe, in the Pew Bibles. So they started off with the 12. They celebrated and they realized they couldn't fit everyone around the table. So they started encouraging communities around and around. They still met together in the temple courts as much as they were able. And then chapter 4 comes along. And uh, we've had some persecution, quite heavy persecution, and we read this. All of the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own. They shared everything they had. We get excited when we share a little bit of what we have. (laughs) Can you imagine the joy and the sacrifice when they shared everything they had. And so what began to happen, not only in the kind of big gathering where they celebrated together, but in the communities, they shared everything. They were generous beyond our imagining. I love what we read here about how they weren't just in one heart and mind. They were united. They were generous, sharing all that they had. The bit ends with Barnabas selling his field and bringing it to be used for uh, the communities and for the celebrations. So they were a united, generous people. But we also read in Acts chapter 4, if you look in verse 33, that there was great power. Where did the power come from? 
So both the celebrations and the communities were fueled by the Holy Spirit. Hold that thought because it's really important. And in fact, in verse 31, just before the passage we read, it says, as they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It was with great power that these communities celebrated and lived in community. They were generous. There was no needy persons in their community. The Bible makes it sound really straightforward. It's not, is it, to live like this? We have to accept that. But this was the DNA that all of the new believers were being given. Receive the Holy Spirit's power and then live a radical lifestyle of celebration and of community. So, where do the graces come in then that we've been thinking about over the last few weeks? Let's go to Acts chapter 6. Turn your pages over. Now, when you first read this, you wonder whether this is uh, the early disciples having a bit of an argument, a few grumbles coming along. Up till now, uh, that we've read lots about them being of one-heartedness and all that kind of stuff. And you think, oh, maybe this is a grumble. But this isn't a time of grumble. This is a really interesting passage. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, so they've grown, 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 grown beyond all recognition, they realized that they couldn't do everything, their DNA of being generous and power-filled and eating together and meeting in the temple courts. They couldn't do that with just a few people doing all the jobs. They couldn't do it. When it was just 12, everybody was clear of their roles and everybody knew what to do and it was all fine. They could do it. But imagine growing by 10,000 people Things have got to change. And that's what this passage is all around. It's around the fact that they had to recognize that with more people becoming disciples, every one of those disciples needed to find their part, needed to find their place. They needed to understand that all of them have graces from God and they've all got a part to play. And isn't that what we've been thinking about really over the last term? That all of us are a grace to each other. All of us have graces. We've all been gifted. Paul talks about us being a body. He talks about us being eyes and ears, not belly buttons and bottom fluff. He doesn't mention that. Yes, I did say that. <laughs> he, he talks about all of us having a part to play. So what was the result of chapter 6, when people found their place, when the leaders were given the responsibilities, when more people were raised up to play their part. Look at verse 7. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The result of a healthy church that balancing celebration and community and where everybody is gifts and graces are being used, is growth. 
is more and more people experiencing the love of God. Is more of our neighbors and our school friends finding out who Jesus really is. More of those work colleagues asking you the questions about life and death. More of people coming to understand the radical love of Jesus. That's what I want. There's quite a few of you around here nodding. So, I have got some slides. They're small in number. This is where you guys are going to think. Think about this little core at the moment where all of these communities come to celebrate together. That's what we're doing right now, isn't it? We're all together in one place celebrating the goodness of God. To make this kind of thing happen, everybody needs to play their part. We've seen that this morning, haven't we? If they'd asked me to lead worship... I would have been fine. Thank you, Chris. Fine is the right word. Becky was great. Fine. We've all got graces. We all need to use them. So if we think back over to the last few, as we've got up there, these were the kind of cultures that each grace produced. So when Simon was talking about apostle last week, uh, no, three weeks, four weeks ago, he said that an, an apostle is always making sure the culture is mission-minded and full of vision. That's what an apostle's culture is. That's what they try to create. A prophet is always asking the community to listen and to obey what they hear. We talked about the shepherds a few weeks ago and how they're all about community and team. And how they're always encouraging everybody to look after each other. Talked about the teachers creating a culture of learning. And of nothing more than learning something new and then having the space to share it with others. The evangelists are the ones with the missional zeal. And who lead people to a greater worship of God. Because they are captivated by Christ themselves. Think for a moment about this little circle here our celebration. If we were to have a healthy church, and we've got signs of health all over the place, so this isn't a bad message, this is an exciting message. There are signs of health all over our church, but we want a healthy church. What would our celebration time look like? If everybody's grace was released, what would it look like? What would it be like? What would the apostles lead out in? What would the prophets be doing? What would the shepherds be doing? What would the teachers and evangelists be doing? You're going to have to talk to your neighbors. I'd love you for a few moments to answer that question. Thinking very much about our center here, our Sunday services, what happens in the church as we gather together, our prayer meetings, our Daniel fast, that kind of thing we're talking about. What would it look like for all of those graces to be serving and being useful so our church can be healthy. You've got a few minutes, so don't rush. Go. Just uh, another minute, so uh, make sure everyone's had a chance to say something. Multi-talented, she's going to write as well. <laughs> she can't write. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, what would a healthy celebration look like where all of these graces are creating the culture that they could bring? 
Let's think about, uh, why don't we start with, I think, the easiest, the shepherds. On a celebration Sunday, what would the shepherds be doing? What would they be creating? Oh, Kate, uh, Kat's got one. She's a, Jane just told her. <laughs> Being the most welcoming people. Write the word welcome, Becky. One L. She said, I can't spell either. You can. Look at you. Welcoming. From the moment people walk in the door, I stand here and watch the shepherds in action. I see it every Sunday. People on the door welcoming people before people even get in the door. Good morning. I see that a lot. I see that in coffee. I see that in this space. People creating a welcoming culture. Now, of course, there's things we can do better. But that's not what this sermon's about. It's about high level. What is the welcome that we can offer? The shepherds are really good at doing that. They're always spotting the person not talking to someone. The shepherds in this place bring me a cup of tea after I've been talking. Thank you. <laughs> okay, what else would the shepherds do? Though It's not just about welcome. There's some other things. Listening. That kind of linked to the prophets as well. So you're thinking about listening to people, not God. Yeah, listening to people then. Caring. Making sure everyone's got a seat. Making sure that everyone can make it into the building. Making sure that everybody's got what they need. The shepherds are often the ones here early putting the coffee on for us. Noticing if people are missing. That's such an important job, guys. So important. And I love it when someone says to me, I haven't seen that person for a while. Shall I give them a phone call? Yes, please. What else would the shepherds do? Let's have one more. Anyone? Praying for people. Praying for people. Okay, let's move on. Let's think about, uh, we'll start down the bottom now, the evangelists. What would the evangelists contribute to a celebration? Bring new people. Now, isn't that all our roles? Caitlin's an evangelist. Bring new people. They're always the ones that are inviting people. They'll be the first ones grabbing all those invitations next week to give to their neighbors. That's all our roles, remember, as well. But the evangelists will be also the ones saying to all of us, have you taken an invitation for your neighbor yet? Because they're inspiring us. What, about the, uh, what else would an evangelist do? They proclaim the truth of God. What else? Yeah. I said last week that evangelists are often the worship leaders, and that's very true. So they're the ones that are so captivated by Christ, they can do nothing but worship him. So they're worship leaders. Not all worship leaders are evangelists, but that's something they do. Say that again, sorry. Enthuse others. I love it. Someone spell enthuse for Becky. <laughs> She's got it. Yeah, it's all right. No one will tell you if it's wrong anyway, because we all love you. One more thing that the evangelist would do. Pray. So missionary zeal begins with prayer, doesn't it? Always praying for the lost. 
We're always praying that our communities are the lost and found communities. Brilliant. Okay, we'll go next with the uh, teachers. What would the teachers do? If someone says teach, I will cry. <laughs> teach. <laughs> so who said pray? Someone say pray. They will pray. But what would the teachers do? explain things. So teachers love sharing what they have learnt, don't they? That's what they love to do. So they will explain things in a manner that perhaps we can understand. Or I love it when someone says, I've read this great book and here are some notes for you. So I don't have to read the book. Teachers do that really well, don't they? They would study. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I can often spot the teachers amongst us because they bring their own Bibles. What else? A lot, of them are in church right now. a lot of them are in junior church. So they pass on to the next generation. Encourage you to think. I love that. Not always just give the answers. Encourage you to think and look for yourself what's in the Bible. One more thing. Facilitate discussion, facilitate learning, make it possible. Facilitate, facilitate. I'm not helping because I can't spell it. It's all right, Becky, we're about to go on the next page, so that's a relief, isn't it? (laughs) Let's just have a quick look. So those are the things so far. Well done. Facilitate. Let's move over then. So we've got a couple left. Profits. What do the profits do? Prophesy. (laughs) I'm going to cry again. It's been a long morning already. They listen to God. So every morning on a Sunday, our our prophetic team are listening to God before the service. It's a really helpful thing for us. What else? Share God's message. So they're the ones that listen and then they share what they feel is right. I love it when someone comes up and says, I've got a word I believe from God for you. And we share that sensitively and well, it would be amazing to have a community that's always telling each other encouragement from God's word and from what they're saying. We need the prophets to help us do that. What else? One more thing from prophets. And I'm going to speed up, I promise. Rebuke. So a lot of the uh, prophets of our Old Testament were very firm in the way that they spoke God's word. I was about to say we have to balance it with encouragement. Rebuke and encourage. There was one more over there, Alice. Praying things into being. So listening and doing is so important. Otherwise, we just get praying to. Okay, let's go for the last one. The apostles. What do these crazy apostles do? Apost. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. give out God's word live out God's word absolutely they're the ones that are always linking what God is saying and what we're going to do about it together and make sure that they're living it so that others can see and live it too what else? envision prophets without vision die people without vision die what it says somewhere in the Old Testament, which is beyond me at this moment. We need vision so that we can all know 
how to live, like Elizabeth was saying. One more from the apostles. Ooh, there's two. Right, I'm going over that way first. Plan and strategize. I love people who plan and strategize. Oh, I need them in my life. Start and plan. Remember, yeah, brilliant. We were talking about the start and go. They're like the um, dynamites underneath us that get us moving. So, yeah, great. Brilliant. Well, if we had that kind of community all the time, and as I said, there's lots of signs of health, aren't there, already in our community, but wouldn't that be amazing? Let me sit down for two minutes. Thanks, Bex. Wouldn't that be amazing? What would be even more amazing, I think, is we would all be working really well together because the body needs each other. And if one bit's not working very well, then none of the body is healthy. So if all of these graces that have been given to us are working well, we're going to be healthy as we gather on a Sunday, as we work together for the kingdom of God. But you're guessing what the next question is. I'm going to talk to each other again for a few moments. What about our community? So if you think back to my little picture at the beginning, all over this uh, church, there are all kinds of communities, from lunch club through to small groups, through to missional communities like Impact. There are all kinds of communities. They all look a bit different but they're all living this DNA of being united and captivated by Christ and generous, uh, living under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking around, and most of us are connected in one way or another to a community here, which is so exciting. So if we ask the same question about our community living with our neighbours, in our workplaces, with those who gather at Women's Fellowship, what is it that we need to see so they are healthy too. So we're asking the same questions. What do the apostles do in communities? What do prophets do in the communities? What do the shepherds do? What do the teachers do? What do the evangelists do? Some of those will be the same, but their outworking will look a little bit different. So I'll give you one to get you thinking. I love the teachers in our communities. Uh, And I get to hang out with quite a few teachers because they're often the leaders of those communities as well. Because they listen so acutely on a Sunday, and then they take that and unpack it in our communities. Um, Loads of you will say to me, I missed a Sunday, so I listened to the podcast, and that helped me lead that small group in such a good way. Or I was at church on Sunday, and I took loads of notes, and that made leading that small group really, really good. Because they're taking what they're learning and bringing it out to their community and facilitating a discussion. So, you've got three minutes. Go. What would it look like in our communities for these graces to be at work? Okay, another 20 seconds. Okay. We will start at the top and make our way down. We see this in uh, uh, all kinds of places. A few years ago, we had a street party for one of the Queen's celebrations. I lose track now. And uh, 
even in kind of that environment, I saw all of these things work. So there was the one lady down the road who had the brilliant idea of let's have a street party, but had no idea what that really meant. She was the apostle, uh, absolutely the apostle. Uh, and then we had the others who caught the vision really quickly. And then we had the ones who worked on the fact that we needed cupcakes to look like this. You know, I mean, it was amazing how these things brought together a street party. Now, all our communities are working in such different ways, and yet we need all of these kind of people in our communities. So let's start with apostles. What do the apostles bring to community? What, what kind of things do they I know I started with a tricky one. I'm sorry. Brilliant. They see need. They see why that community is needed. They, they understand what's going on in perhaps a, a way that other people would overlook. So they see a need. Brilliant. Anyone else? So they can communicate vision really, really well. If we think about them being the dynamite that gets things going, they will say very quickly, this isn't about me, this is about us, and they'll bring people alongside them very quickly. So, uh, I don't know how you put that, sorry Josh. Um, build a team. Gather. Ooh, well done. Okay, let's think about the prophets. What do the prophets do in our communities? Listen to God and feedback to the rest of the group. The how-to team, I like that. So they listen clearly to the wisdom of God, which, face it, is not always the wisdom of man. And they listen really clearly, and then they explain the how-to. Great. They sometimes bring warning, don't they? I don't think we should do that. I don't think that's God's wisdom. So they bring warning. And they can provide clear direction because they're listening to God's direction. Yeah, you can have another pen if that's helpful. Okay, what about the shepherds? The, uh, that one's easy. Go. The way they live. So they're welcoming they encourage, they care, they listen, they pray. Keeping up, Josh? <laughs> Identify needs. Every community around this place uh, is doing a brilliant job at this. So uh, there's probably lots that I get to see, but Tiddlywinks would be one example. Whenever there's a new baby born in this church, all connected to Tiddlywinks, all from anyone we know, Shireen always puts a little bag together, a welcome to the world bag, which has got lovely things in. That's a pastor's heart. That's a shepherd's heart that says, I welcome your baby into this world. And here's a few nappies to celebrate. Okay. What about teachers? What do the teachers do in our communities? Encourage us to study the word. Above all, push us back to the word. What else? Make sure that everyone understands. 
And that's not always easy. <laughs> Anyone who's taught a group? Okay, anything else? Help people grow. Help people grow. Teachers are often big prayers as well. Pray for understanding amongst their group. Okay, let's go to the evangelists. What do the evangelists do in a group? Yeah. I like my comfort zones. The evangelists are always the ones that are just encouraging us to be outward. It's very easy to be inward in a, in a community. Very easy to say, oh, this is comfortable, this is nice, my table is full, I will stop now. And Jesus says, no, just build a bigger table. The evangelists are always the ones encouraging us to be outward in our communities. Pray with people who are struggling, absolutely. So that could be a a shepherd role as well. But evangelists are often the ones that are pushing people to be captivated by Jesus, and they do that through praying for people. And teachers. Challenge. Yeah, who said challenge? Yeah, Chris said challenge. Sorry. They go first. They do go first. Yeah, but they don't go alone. They encourage people to come with them, but they're often just one step ahead, aren't they? Okay. Thanks, Josh. I want to be part of a community where all of these graces are being used. In our hub community the other week, we started thinking about what it would look like for each of us to own our grace and use our grace What does it mean for you today to identify and say, yeah, Lord, I see that you have given me the gift of teaching or I can see that the grace that you've put on me is dot, dot, dot. What are you saying to me today, Lord, about how I use my grace in community and in celebration, because we've got to balance both and be part of both. What is God saying to you right now about your grace? Because as I've said in the last few weeks, he absolutely loves the way that you operate when you are operating in freedom and in the way that you have been created. And we as a church family will be at our healthiest when all of us are owning the grace we've been given and use it for his glory in the places he places us. So let's have a moment of silence, shall we? And just consider that question for ourselves. You won't just answer it now because it's a big question. Helen. Wish I had given you a microphone. I'll quickly summarize so these guys can hear. But Helen was saying we all need to bring our passion uh, and our grace to whatever parts we're playing in, because everybody's important. Uh, Do ask her again a little bit more what she said. I can't just summarize it, but everybody is important in this. Let's just have a moment of silence, shall we? Reflecting on what we've heard and just asking God, you know, what are you saying to me today? What am I going to do about it if the band want to come up? Thank you for who you've made me. 
says uh, in Scripture that you know me by name, you know the number of hairs on my head, and you love me and rejoice over me with singing. And you've also gifted me and given me many graces for me to use for your kingdom glory and so that others may come to know of your love. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room right now. I want to thank you for every person who is part of our community here, our family. I want to thank you for the part that they play here. I want to thank you for the part they play uh, as we gather in celebration, but also as we go out and live in community. You have given us, Lord, apostles and teachers. You've given us shepherds and prophets and evangelists so that we may be a healthy body, a healthy family. As we go into this week, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will help us to live for your glory and to use what you have given us so that others may come to know your love but also so that we as community together, as family of God, may live in a healthy and whole way. And Lord, we also want to pray now for uh, the many that we know at the moment who are struggling with one thing or another. Many of us gathered on Thursday night to pray for baby Isaac Garland, presently in Addenbrooke's Hospital with severe bronchiolitis. Lord, we once again lift that family to you for Becky and Chris, his parents, for Daniel and Joseph, his brothers. We pray, Lord Jesus, for a complete healing of this little boy's life. We pray, Lord Jesus, that even in this moment, he knows the Father's whisper that he's loved and safe in his hands. And we pray for the whole family. May they have the strength to face all that they are facing. And may they know, Lord Jesus, that you are with them and for them and that you are fighting for them too. Lord, we continue to pray for Peter Peck, Chris's husband in hospital, for Margaret Bailey recovering after surgery, for Carol Pooley following a fall. We pray, Lord Jesus, for Margaret Holden, for Michaela Hartley-Brown recovering from surgery, for Mary Harden, Anne and John Newsom. Lord, be their strength, we pray. And we want to thank you that uh, Katie and Joanne's dad, James, is home from hospital. And we pray, Lord Jesus, for a continued recovery in his life, as we do for many others. And Lord, we pray for those who at this time are grieving. Pray for Vicky and Mark Riley after the passing of Vicky's nan this week. Lord, for the whole family, be so close to them, we pray. May they know the love of the Father and the strength in these days of grief. Pray for Eric's family as they prepare for the funeral on Thursday. Lord Jesus, may they all know the love of the Father and the strength to face it. And for all who grieve, that we name and that we name quietly before you. Lord, we ask that you come and that you encourage and your words of comfort are heard and experienced in these days. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't call us to follow you alone. 
but you place us in a family. We're so grateful, Lord, for each other. Help us encourage each other in the walk that you have given us. For your glory and praise. Amen.